Welcome to episode 595 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, games, and audiobooks. We should just put that in there. <laughs> uh, we could. We don't typically have audiobook news. We just talk about the audiobooks well, that we're reading. that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's there if, like, Spotify starts doing audiobooks, which we have actually talked about before. True. So, but that's... Yeah, I guess, I guess that would work. I guess that would work. Anyway, right. we've got listener feedback this week. It was sent in to us uh, at our email address, which is entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. And this one is from Rob W. He said, I just wanted to give a periodic reminder for people using or considering Xbox Game Pass. Don't forget about Microsoft Reward Points. I've been a Game Pass user for years and haven't, haven't, had to put out any money to date from cashing in Microsoft reward points. These are earned from performing activities like searching on Bing, participating in quizzes, and completing quests on Xbox. Bing makes it super easy from their homepage to scroll through the top stories for the day, and I make it part of my daily morning routine. I easily earn 12,000 plus points a month, sacrificing a few minutes per day and it saves me a $15 a month subscription fee. Nice. Yeah, this is a this is a good tip. Like uh we've talked about it in the past but it has been a while and I have friends that do this too. And I use Bing and and Microsoft Rewards and stuff like that. I'm not as diligent as people like Rob though. Uh it it does take some some effort to get enough points a month to pay for an entire uh xbox game pass ultimate subscription but it can be done with a little bit of diligence so thank you to that uh thank you to rob for that reminder he also continues with also i wanted to get your guys's thoughts on primarily prestige versus primarily entertaining streaming services by this i mean i find myself watching services like hbo and apple tv plus for a few high quality shows each year but I find multiple throwaway shows and movies that entertain me each month on Netflix. I'm also finding that as I get older, I don't really enjoy a constant stream of heavy think pieces, and lots of times, when I have a free minute away from work and the family, I just want to watch cool car chases or Keanu Keanu, uh, own a small army's worth of people. Luckily, I can afford both types of services, but if you had to choose, which one would you go with? I'm going to throw it to you first, Richard. Mm, wow. Yeah, I'd go for premium. Why? I know. I know. Uh, it. I, I'm even recently talking about watching Bob Newhart because I just like to be able to pull up to 30 minutes of fun. And uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that I could enjoy. But I don't think that there's as much there that I have truly loved. Like series like Ted Lasso and Game of Thrones. And, uh, you know, I, I can't even name all the things that I've seen and enjoyed on premium services. I think I would consider... Paramount Plus, a premium service. So Star Trek Strange New Worlds, one of my favorite Star Trek series ever. I There's there's a lot of really good premium content that I love. And yeah, you have to pay attention to it. And that's just kind of one of the things. What would I do for the other stuff? I don't know. Probably watch those stupid free-to-play-with-ads services that are out there a dime a dozen you know i kind of expected you to go the other way on this and i and i so <laughs> which would have left us split because what's probably not surprising is that i would also go the same direction because i don't watch much and when i do i want it to be the really good stuff uh like ted lasso and and things like that um 
Although, as as I was reading through this this question, really a couple of times as I was preparing for the notes, I also thought about the rest of my family and, uh, well, really just my wife Jen. And my wife Jen would be the complete opposite. Like she is rewatching The Good Place for like the third or fourth time because <laughs> she specifically doesn't want all of the the thought pieces as rob calls them he she just wants to relax and laugh a little and yeah so so there you go uh yeah you and you and me alike we would both be on on the uh what he calls primarily prestige uh viewing services i like that yeah it's kind of unfortunate uh, like you know uh, maybe the answer there, if you can't really decide on one, is Netflix, though. Because Netflix, while they don't have as much of the great stuff as some of the other services seem to now, they do still have some good ones, right? Like, right. they still have Stranger Things. And Stranger Things, like The Crown. I mean, there, right. there are a lot of big ticket items that they've put money into for sure. Yeah, yeah. But great question. Thank you for writing in, Rob, with your... Great question and your tip for everybody. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, all of our contact information, uh, we'll go over all of that again at the end of the show. So we'll jump into the news. There's not a ton here this week uh, because it's August and that's how August goes. So uh, in the video side of things, we have Roku bringing the Paramount Plus subscription service to the Roku channel. and. I feel like this requires a little bit of explanation because people might be wondering, well, what is Roku channel? And was, wasn't was Paramount Plus already available on, on Roku devices? Yeah, so a little bit of, of background here. Roku channel, it's a free, I, I guess you'd call it an app on all of the Roku devices. And it's it's basically there uh, to serve a couple of purposes. One, it provides access to hundreds, literally hundreds of live linear streaming channels. And most of this is that free ad supported stuff that Richard said he would watch if he only got to have Apple Plus. Not on Roku. <laughs> right. So it's that sort of content. But it also this is the the cooler part of the Roku channel is it does allow users to go into this one place and subscribe to premium services through one nice management user interface and to then be billed for all of them together. So kind of a nice feature, maybe if you're looking for that sort of thing. Uh, some people like that simplified billing process. And so what's happening here is now through the Roku channel, you can subscribe to Paramount Plus and it means that all of that Paramount Plus content shows up in the Roku channel guide and Paramount Plus has live sports from the NFL and UEFA that's soccer in Europe uh they've of course got live news from CBS News you've got live TV from your local CBS affiliate in some markets uh not all but in some of them uh and it all just comes together in this nice little interface the it doesn't cost you anything extra either you know you're you're not paying extra to to sign up and, and have these features or anything like that it's still the same paramount plus has two tiers there's paramount plus essential which is five bucks a month and that one is also ad supported or if you don't want ads you can pay ten dollars a month for paramount plus premium i never realized the the 3p alliteration there but i i kind of like it and <laughs> And so so that that's what you're getting here. So if you're a Roku user, like it's a nice way to get access to the Paramount Plus stuff on on your Roku device. And if you're looking, you know, if if you're going to CBS for a lot of this type of content, there's really no reason not to do this because it doesn't cost you anything extra and in the, in theory, it's easier to use and easier to manage. Yeah, I the the one thing that I want to remind people about is that if you do this, then you're not going to be able to 
let me say this differently. If you do this, then this content is integrated directly with Roku. And out of the gate, like just by default, you wouldn't then be able to go to Paramount Plus on other services to watch Paramount Plus content, like to the Paramount Plus website or app on some other device. However, remember that we had a caller who reminded or a, uh, a listener who reminded me that there is a way to create a Paramount Plus app account and tie it to your existing subscription through these third-party channels. So that is a way to do that. But because it's a channel that's integrated with Roku, you don't inherently just immediately then have the ability to go and use Paramount Plus on other devices. Including like your mobile devices. Including your mobile devices, right. That's a really important thing to point out. I I didn't even realize that or didn't remember that. Again, remember there is a way and maybe we should probably put a link back to our episode where we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea and good tip. And that's it for our video news. So on to our audio news. Like I said, it's gonna this could be a short episode. Although I haven't looked at what Richard's been watching in his entertainment center. So that could lengthen things. We'll see. Uh just kidding. So uh, as is Fairly common. Our audio news this week is centered around Spotify. And the story kind of bugged me a little bit when I first started reading it. So uh the the press is is using this as an opportunity to make fun of Spotify. And fine, it, it, it's fine, it's fair, but it also seemed weird. So here here's what's going on. Spotify has apparently, this is the part that I didn't fully realize, and a lot of the articles that I read about this were either incorrect or not entirely correct in describing. In the different ways that you can listen to audio in Spotify, so that's albums, that's artist pages, that's playlists that you've made, playlists that they've made specifically for you, playlists that they've made for genres of music, all of that. There are kind of different ways that you can play them in specifically in the mobile apps. There's a big giant green play button at the top of the screen in all of these cases, or you can just tap on one of the songs. In every situation, especially if you're a premium subscriber, if you just tap on a song, it's going to play through those songs sequentially from where you picked from from the song that you picked. The confusing thing is, in some cases, that play button is also a play shuffle button. And by that, I mean, if you press play, it does not start with song one. It starts with some random song and then shuffles all of the playback. And does it say play shuffle or does it say play? It is a green play button with a shuffle icon in the corner. So... It's not hmm. like it's hidden from you. It's, but it might seem a little bit weird. And like I said, you can get around it by just tapping the first song in the list if you really want to play it in order. So yeah. some content in that's uh, some collections of content, yes. whatever they are, albums or playlists or what have you, have normal play buttons, mm-hmm. and some of them have only play buttons that. Shuffle. Correct. And the the part that I thought a lot of the other places didn't do the greatest job explaining is where it is that you get the, the shuffle played button. And like they described it as albums and playlist, which is practically everything. And I opened up the Spotify app on my Android phone and on my iPad and could not duplicate this at all. If you open an album, it definitely doesn't do that. If you open a playlist that you made, it definitely doesn't do that. If you open up a playlist that they made for you, like your daily mix playlist, it doesn't, it's just a play button. That's it. The only time that I could see these play with shuffle buttons is when I would open up like their genre playlist and stuff like that. So it's not super common depending on your usage for. Spotify. Now, 
All of that is background because we haven't even gotten to the news here. The news here, and this is tiny, is they're making it so that on those types of playlists where they would give you the the play shuffled button, they're they're going to give you two buttons instead: a play button and a shuffle button, and that's it. Now that's that's part of the news. The other part of the news is they're only going to give these two dedicated buttons to premium subscribers. And a lot of people are obviously using this as an example to be mad at Spotify. Like, how could they charge you for a play button? That's ridiculous. And that that's the the track that, that most of the media seems to be taking. They're charging you for a play button. How insane Okay, so is talk that? me out of that insanity because that's where my head goes. Because I don't think they're charging you for a play button. I don't I don't think that they're actually thinking that this feature is going to convert any free subscribers into paid subscribers. It because the thing is if you're a free subscriber, your experience is already pretty different. You can't just go and listen to whatever you want. A lot of that experience is shuffled and of course it has ads and and all of that other stuff. So if you're just listening to their generated playlist and all that stuff anyway, like listening to it sequentially isn't really any different than listening to it shuffled anyway, because it's a bunch of stuff they threw in a playlist that you didn't make. So the order wasn't up to you anyway. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. It is, it is kind of weird that there was this play only when uh, only in a shuffled capacity thing before. And I guess the, the thing now is that they're just going to separate those out. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. There will be a little shuffle button next to the play button that, that will do the, the play shuffled option, or you can just press play and it'll start at the first track and play sequentially. Except on albums from artists with pool that, don't want their albums shuffled. <laughs> right. Except for Adele albums. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, I, I guess I wonder. I, I'd, I'd have to go back and, and, and look at our coverage from that a, a couple of months ago when, when all of that came about. Um, and, and, you know, and that is something else worth pointing out while we're talking about this. Even if it's a situation where it didn't have the weird play shuffle button, there's still a shuffle button, like in the playback controls section. Mm-hmm. If you want to shuffle your, your playback anywhere, you can, I think, unless Adele ruined that for everybody. Maybe they, maybe she only ruined it on her albums. I don't remember. And, and I'm really joking there because as when we did talk about that, I, I believe my opinion was like, yeah, I do almost always listen to albums sequentially, but I'm also not a purist about this. Like, I don't really care that much. So, yeah, I was the one that was kind of passionate about removing user control. What you passionate about something like it, right. something from a user experience perspective? Right, Shocking. exactly. So that's coming soon for all of you premium subscribers out there. To Spotify, you will have even more control over how you play back things. Okay, so let's move on with some gaming news. And much to Richard's chagrin, we have three gaming stories where we've only had <laughs> one video and one audio. And Richard, I would like to point out, there were gaming stories that I could have included and didn't because I was like, there's already three to the other yeah. two. So. Hopefully, I, th- I think these are, are the most important ones. So the first one is by far the most interesting, and that is that Logitech, that does make a lot of uh, PC gaming hardware, and Tencent, which is a massive video game publisher based out of China, are getting together and making a handheld gaming device. And when I say that, you should be thinking things along the lines of like, the Nintendo Switch, or the Steam Deck. You know, something that you would hold in your hands has video game controls, physical controls on it, and a screen. The difference here, unlike the Steam Deck or the Switch, is that this is targeted at cloud 
Gaming. And they're partnering with Xbox for their cloud gaming service and NVIDIA GeForce Now for those of you who just want to stream PC games in the cloud. And the only other thing that we know about this is we don't have pictures. We don't know anything about the hardware. The only other thing we know is that they're saying it'll be out this year. This year, when it was announced at the beginning of August. Do you believe this for a second that it's coming out this year, Richard? You know, I don't really know enough about this to have an opinion on it. I saw this announcement and I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, Logitech doubling down on their play on gaming. I wish they still made remotes instead. That's fair. Yeah. So I, I have seen a lot of, I mean, this, this will surprise you, but I've seen a lot of people posting in comment sections with very misguided opinions. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've seen a lot of people going, well, why would they do this? Why don't you just buy a Steam Deck? Well, because a Steam Deck is really expensive. A Steam Deck is like $600. I would absolutely expect this thing to be maybe a, th- a third of that cost because it's essentially just a probably and this is all speculation of course but this could just be essentially a mid-range android phone with nice controls on it because it's just mm. cloud streaming it does not need to be a super powerful device yeah yeah but still given all of the supply chain issues and chip issues and everything else, you have to think for them to really expect that they're going to get this out this year. This had to have been long in the making. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's also like, it's not just Logitech here. It's, it's Tencent who's got so much money in China. So that's why that's what gives me a sliver of hope that it might actually come out this year. And uh, a fair amount of hope that it is going to be a reasonably pr- reasonably priced device. Like I could, I could see this being $199. Now I could have seen that a whole lot more a year ago before inflation really skyrocketed, driving prices of lots of things up a lot. So maybe now it's more like 249, but I still don't think that's a bad price for what you're getting. Now, the other argument against a device like this is, well, I already have a phone that does this. Like you're describing a phone and hey, Josh, guess what? I've got a phone. I don't need a separate device for doing this, except yeah. that you get the controls right. built on. You're physical controls. Physical controls, right. Like probably analog thumbsticks, lots of buttons and triggers and stuff. I, I would expect all of that to be there and to be pretty decent. And- and comfortable, hopefully. And the fact that it's not your phone means you're not killing the battery on your phone to play, which is also a really nice thing. So I I think that this is a really intriguing device. And it's not like it's a brand new revolutionary thing. Like there are devices like this that are already available from lots of Chinese companies that you've never heard of. But they're typically like just straight up cheap Android devices with really crappy UIs over them and maybe not the greatest game control, like the physical controls either. And with Logitech on board, helping with the hardware side and Tencent on board, probably primarily as the the money behind this operation, but also in, in some of the software potentially, I think that this sounds like it's got a lot of potential. You're saying that that was potentially the biggest question. My biggest question is, will it last, right? Like if this doesn't take off and either Logitech or Tencent decide not to continue to support it, what does that mean? Hmm. Yeah. Like, does this just become a brick? Yeah. It's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. Cause you'd have to think that they are probably building their own custom UI for this. That's connecting to xCloud and to uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now. I also think that it's incredibly likely that it's being built on top of Android. And if that's the case, 
I would expect that within a couple of weeks, people have found ways to hack this thing to just run Android and to just run regular Android apps. <laughs> right? Yeah, good point. So the, if you buy this when it first launches and six months later, Logitech and Tencent decide they're done with it, the hacking community will probably have your back and you're going to be able to load whatever Android software you want on this thing and still be able to use it to your heart's content. Yep. Good point. Yeah. So I'm excited. We'll, we'll wait to see what, what we get out of this. And I'm excited just for the possibility. It's not something that I would actually buy because I just don't do that much cloud gaming. I work from home, so I barely leave my house. And I have an Xbox Series X. So what reason do I have to really do that much cloud gaming on a mobile device? Not much. But for a lot of people, this does make a lot of sense. So, What does working from home have to do with that? Well, it means that I don't... Like, if I wanted to play video games on my lunch break, I can use the Xbox that I have hooked up to my giant TV at home. Ah. Or, I. it also means... I guess it's more of an and than an or. Uh, and... I don't have a commute. So, you know, yeah. for if you're taking the train to work every day, then maybe you're playing games on your phone on the train. I don't yeah, have yeah, that because yeah. I work from home. Got it. Yeah. My, my commute is the 12 steps down the hallway. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the, the second story. And this one, uh, really, these last two are both pretty quick ones. Uh, so about a month ago, Samsung rolled out the Samsung Gaming Hub, which was announced back at CES in January. It's just a, a set of software on their 2022 TVs and some of their gaming monitors um, that gives you access to game streaming like we just talked about on this device that's coming from Logitech, uh, but directly through your TV where you don't need an Xbox or a PlayStation. You don't need anything but a controller and the software that's built into your Samsung TV. And when it launched about a month ago, it had uh, Xbox Game Pass support. It had um, NVIDIA GeForce Now, and it had Google Stadia. And now they're adding Amazon Luna. And this is kind of important for two reasons. Uh, the, the first reason, well, it basically completes the offering. That's all of the big services now. So, and the, the other one is that of all of these game streaming services, a lot of people, not me, because I haven't tried all of them, but a lot of people have said Luna's the best, like in terms of uh, low latency and things like that. Luna has has it has it the best, you know, lower latency than than all of the other services. Um, some you know some services like uh, the X Cloud game streaming, it, it's at a fairly low resolution. So Amazon Luna is definitely a service worth checking out if you're into this sort of, you know, you need this or you want this because you are still having a hard time finding a new PlayStation or an Xbox. You can go to Amazon, buy an Amazon Luna controller for roughly 50 bucks and just start streaming major, you know, AAA games on Amazon Luna service, right? service right on your Samsung TV. Nice. You know, I obviously haven't considered getting any of these services, but as you're talking about this and I'm thinking Amazon gaming, but yeah, it's not that it's Amazon servers. Yeah. Amazon knows how to do servers. Right. They're basically the back end for like half the internet <laughs> with their servers, which is Pretty much how they make their money. Yeah, for sure. Disclaimer, for sure. my Amazon stock. Right. Yeah. So good service and now even easier to use for, uh, through Samsung TVs. And previously, the only way that you could use Amazon Luna on a TV was if you were also using an Amazon Fire TV device, like a Fire TV stick or something like that. And now you don't even need that to stream Amazon Luna games. So that's cool. All right, the last gaming story, a uh, quick update from PlayStation 5. Really, they've spent this year trying, in some ways, to catch up to Xbox, just in, in some ways. And here's another one. They are now finally adding 1440p support. And you might be thinking, well, who, who cares? Like, 
TVs aren't in 1440p. Well, a lot of gamers care because they don't have their consoles hooked up to TVs. They have them hooked up to the same gaming monitor that they have their PC hooked up to. And quite frequently, gamers are using 1440p monitors because it's a really nice middle ground in between 1080p and 4K. So you can get somewhat higher resolution Uh, But especially if you're a gamer and don't want to pay $5 billion for a GPU that can drive a 4K monitor, then you go for the 1440p option. So uh, this is a feature that launched on the Xbox Series X and Series S back in 2020. That's why we're kind of gently poking fun at Sony for finally releasing this on their console. But it's nice to see that it's here. There is still one caveat, though. Variable refresh rate, which is the other thing that we were waiting for Sony to finally release, and they did finally release it a couple of months ago on the PlayStation 5, it doesn't work at this resolution. The PlayStation 5 only supports variable refresh rate at 1080p or 4K. So if you've got a 1440p gaming monitor, monitor, it supports variable refresh rate. That's what kills me here. So hopefully they're going to fix that eventually. but. In the meantime, you won't have that. Also, considering that Sony didn't support 1440p until, you know, roughly now, a lot of games don't support it either. And, you know, you'll your game will have to natively support 1440p for you to run it at a native 1440p. But for the games that do support full 4K resolution, which is obviously lots of them, then it will use super sampling to increase the anti-aliasing and give you a better looking picture on on your 1440p display. So there's plenty of good things to see uh, to be excited about here if you're a PlayStation gamer on a gaming monitor. But unless you're in the beta program, you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer because it's out in the beta program now. But that means probably just a few more weeks before it's released to the general public. Cool. All right, Richard, you made it through the gaming news. You even had things to contribute to most of them. I'm so proud of you. a little. (laughs) All right, so Richard, what is going on in your entertainment center? All right, I finally set up my new 65-inch LG TV. It's beautiful. I love it. I'm so happy with it. (laughs) Setting it up was a royal pain in the tush. Really? What was so difficult about it? Do you remember when you used to be able to buy a TV, bring it home, plug it in, turn it on, plug something into it? It just worked. (laughs) Do you remember those days? I I do remember. It's been a while, but I do remember those days. They were not that long ago. They really were not that long ago. (laughs) Now, you turn on your TV and, okay, the first thing it asks you for is what language do you want? That's fine. It was sold in the U.S., so it defaulted to English. And then I had two options for how to set it up, either with their Think app, Think spelled with uh, a Q, yep. uh, T-H-I-N-Q, right. or on screen. And I thought, well, clearly I want to use the app because I don't want to have to type passwords on the big screen with my remote. That's going to be a royal pain. For sure. So I go the app path. What a friggin' disaster. <laughs> I I mean, the first thing it asked me to do is I have to create an account. Okay. I try to create an account the first time it fails. It didn't actually fail, though. It created the account. <laughs> so when I go to create an account the second time, I can't because it's already there. I have the e- email confirmation that That worked. So, okay, I'll sign into my account. So I sign into the account, and now it's scanning for devices, and it sees a TV. I tap the TV on the screen on my phone. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I tap it again. Nothing happens. Stop the app. Start again. Sign in. Scan for devices. It finds a TV. This time, the TV shows up with a name, some ridiculous serial number next to it that was apparently on the screen on the television itself, and I hadn't noticed it. But, okay, yeah, they're the same thing. Let's select that one. So I select it. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. 
Oh, and then it comes up with I mean, it just seemed like nothing was happening because there was no interaction whatsoever. App building 101 when I pressed the item in the list. So it eventually came back and said, okay, enter the code that's on the screen. So I'm like, okay, I go to enter the code that's on the screen and it times out. (laughs) So I start again. And this time I get one step further. I get the code that's on the screen. It takes it. Now enter your Wi-Fi password. Well, I have to go get the Wi-Fi password because I don't know it off the top of my head. It's a strong password. In the time to go get it, it timed out. (laughs) I eventually got my password in. It didn't work. So I figured, screw it. I am just not. I'm done with this. I am done with this piece of crap app. It clearly is not going to do what I need it to do. So I did it on screen. And that is whole a lot of screens and agreements. You're agreeing to all this stuff. It tries to trick you into agreeing to more than you really need to agree to. So I select the things that I'm willing to agree to. I click through. I eventually get it set up. Now I'm going to set up my devices. What devices do you have? Through horribly broken English messaging on the screen, it prompts me to try to select the devices I have. I search for Google because I have a Chromecast. It doesn't know what that is. <laughs> it doesn't know what, like, the third most popular streaming device. What's what's this Google? Is this some new startup? In- <laughs> <laughs> like, It's a dumb name. What? Google? What's that? Like one of the hundred zeros I, after it? I, I just, I, oh, I cannot believe it. I, I did... Pull up their on-screen thing to see if I wanted to even use it. Remember, I used to like WebOS. It was kind of cool. It had that blade mm-hmm. metaphor that was a little bit different from everyone else. Now it just looks like everyone else. Remember when we talked about how Amazon's changing their interface to look just like everyone else? That's exactly what the LG interface looks like now on the new WebOS. Looks like everyone else. So not really interested in that. I wanted to try using the Google TV because Edward has been sick of the touchy remote for the Apple. Even though it has the dial, there's some apps we use or the D-pad. There's some apps we use that need the touch control. So I have to enable that. And it just makes that remote really difficult to use. It makes it way too touchy. So I figured, all right, let's go to Google TV. We're comfortable with that at the beach. It works for us there. We're using YouTube TV. So we would have integrated TV recommendations in the main interface, which would be nice. So we're, we, we did that. I have that set up and, um, we have audio delay that I can't figure out. What? Never had it with the Apple TV, but on YouTube TV stuff on the Chromecast on Google's TV service through Google's device, we have audio delay. Not the other services, just YouTube TV. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I need to figure that out. We may end up going back to Apple TV. I don't know. But I'm going to give it a try for a little while and see how it goes. Anyway, so setting up a TV, much harder than it really should be, in my opinion. All right. So... um, so you're probably wondering why I didn't prepare you for this because we we have the same TV. The answer is I didn't do like most of the crap that you just did. I definitely didn't do the mobile app because it's a little leery of, of what that mobile app would be like. Yeah. And two, I, I didn't do any, well, I mean, I did the required stuff, obviously selecting the language and things like that, but I didn't go through that crap of telling it what devices I have and all of that. I don't care. I'm not going to use your interface. I am going to select between inputs for my NVIDIA Shield, my Xbox, and my Switch, and that's it. And I'm going to program my my Harmony remote to do all of that for me anyway. So I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there, it seemed like there was some stuff that I needed to do. Like I needed to set the audio so that it didn't come out of the speakers. I did have to do that, I, yeah. It, for some reason, it wants to default to having the audio come out of both the speakers and my connected ARC soundbar. I don't know why that is, hmm. but yeah, that was weird. And then I i forget what else I needed to set up. There was, oh, I needed just picture stuff and, you know, general 
things like that. And I wanted to get other stuff out of the way. Like I wanted to turn off a bunch of things. I wanted to turn off like updates and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's a hassle. At least the remote on this TV is better than the one that I had. It doesn't by default want to work as a gyroscope. Like you kind of have to put it into that gyroscope mode when you're using it, which is nice. Um, yeah, but I won't be using the remote. We're going to be using the tiny little remote that comes with Google TV, and hopefully that will work for us. Okay. All right. So with this, we have been watching some TV. I have still been watching For All Mankind Season 3. I watched the most recent episode of that this week. Uh, I am almost finished rewatching Westworld Season 3 in preparation for to start watching season four, which is well underway. Watched a couple more episodes of the Bob Newhart show. I should really say fell asleep to a couple episodes of the Bob Newhart show. Cause that's the last thing that I watch at the end of the night. If I'm not, eh, I'm not quite tired yet. I can get 23 minutes in. Apparently I'm not always right on that. Sometimes I can't really get those 23 minutes in and then have been keeping up with Big Brother. We have been watching What We Do in the Shadows season four. It's been very funny this season. And we we had guests this past weekend who have been trying to get us to watch a, a show on Hulu called The Great. I think I talked about this before. This is a comedic look at the life of Catherine the Great or Ekaterina in – uh, in Russia and, or it, it is, um, irreverent and entertaining. And Edward has a really hard time with it because he really knows this history mm. and isn't so much enjoying that they poke at it and they take liberties and it's not quite the way he knows it. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That sounds like it may not be the most enjoyable watching experience for either of you. Right. As a result of that. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Something that is usually enjoyable for us, and I always forget to mention this, we don't watch late night shows, but I do occasionally try to catch the uh, Closer Look segment from the late night show with Seth Meyers, and we've been watching a lot of those on YouTube. He was just on vacation and and came back and we have started watching those again. So I always enjoy those. In terms of uh, movies, we watched only one. We rewatched Ratatouille. I don't know why, but I love that film. It was a lot of fun and I'm always happy to watch it. I've seen it probably half a dozen times. And then audiobooks. I mentioned audiobooks because I have been listening to a bunch because I'm caught up in all of my podcasts. So that's left me with some extra time. I finished in the Plex, the story about Google. It was really good. Now that book was written about 10 years ago. Mm. So it ends before a lot of stuff happens. It ends right as they're launching and they didn't, I don't know that they even really identified the final name of it, Google Plus. Oh, wow. And we all know how that went. Right. So I'm curious if there will be a follow-up book. But it was good. I really enjoyed it. Also, uh, listened to a fairly short story called The Alchemist. It was written, I believe, by, uh, I want to say a Portuguese author about 30-some years ago. It's an interesting story. I would call it an allegory. Uh, it, it's a good story. And it was read by Jeremy Irons, who has an amazing voice. So it was enjoyable to listen to. And finally, I listened to the one book that I haven't listened to or read from Andy Weir yet, Artemis. And everyone was right. It's good. It's not as good as The Martian. Which means that it's also not as good as... Why oh, it's absolutely not as good as uh, Project Hail Mary Project because Hail I think Mary. that was probably even better than The Martian if I were to yeah. rate those. I agree. Uh, so, but, but it's good and it's read by Rosario Dawson who does 
an amazing job. And I would probably listen to pretty much anything else she does. So I need to see what else she's reading on Audible. Yeah, that name, her name sounds familiar. What else is she known for? She's been in a ton of stuff. She was a supporting character. Uh, oh my God, I'm going to just, I, I'm going to go like dead and not be able to name anything. You should IMDB this while I'm struggling here. But she was in a Marvel series where she played with with the blind superhero. She was like a supporting character in that. Mm. Um she was she played a sh a small role in uh the Mandalorian in the oh, most recent season like season 2 right season 2 yep yes yeah yeah, yeah. yep yeah she's uh, she's you would recognize her as soon as you see her she's been in a a good amount of stuff and she was a phenomenal reader nice nice yeah yeah so that was a lot. That was me. How short is your list? Uh, no, let me ask this question differently. Anything new on your list this week, Josh? No, but I promise there will be next week. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I uh, we were camping this weekend, so that's my excuse. Um, n not a whole lot of media consumption happening other than listening to podcasts while setting up and tearing down the tent. Uh, yeah. So the very small amount of free time that I had for, for media consumption over the last week was NHL, not surprising. And my normal crew of four people that I regularly play games with, we were down a person. Uh, so we were going to actually, that's, I guess that's not true. I do have a new one but I haven't played it a ton. I did check out Multiverses, and that's the game that I was hoping to play with my my normal group of, of four guys to play with. Um, but one of them couldn't make it, and it's it's really a two or four player game, and we had three people, so we just played Call of Duty. But I, I did play maybe half hour, 45 minutes of Multiverses. Multiverses is a Super Smash Brothers clone made by Warner Brothers. So it's a, a it's a simple 2D platforming beat 'em up game where you're just trying to knock the other characters off the edge of the of, of the platform. And but instead of Nintendo characters like in Super Smash Brothers, it's Warner Brothers characters. So Superman is in there, Batman is in there, Wonder Woman is in there. Um Shaggy and uh Velma from uh Scooby-Doo Oh yeah, um, I think you mentioned that last week. Did I? Well, I hadn't actually played it yet, I don't think. Um and then there's a few other like Warner Brothers characters and stuff too. Here's the here's the problem. I don't give a crap about any of these characters. Like I'm not into DC comics. Uh Wonder Woman is the only person, character, whatever in this game that I have any amount of interest in. <laughs> right. But it is from what I can tell, and I am not a Super Smash Brothers expert, I haven't actually played a Smash Brothers game for more than 10 minutes since the original version was released on the Nintendo 64, which was like 1998 or something like that. So I'm not an expert in these games, but this game seems really well done. But again, I've, I'm not an expert, and I've only played for like a half an hour or so. But it's free to play. You might end up hating the model that they use for free to play because that does mean that like they only make some of the characters available unless you've paid for them to unlock them and stuff like that. And it changes who's available from day to day. So I'm sure there's lots of very upset people out there about that. But overall, it does seem like a pretty good game. And it's on, I think it's on, it's at least on Xbox and PlayStation. It's probably not on Switch. You know, uh, so it's at least cross-platform and supports cross-platform play. So if your friends have a different, uh, they're on PlayStation, you're on Xbox, you can still play this together. So Cool. And what's the name of that again? Multiverses. So Multiverses. It, you're, you would think that that's like multiverse, like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness right. or whatever, but it's versus like 
like in in the sporting term like versus yeah v v e r s u s s u s right yeah but it's all one word uh yeah but i i will be watching i i, I won't tell you what they are in case especially in case they don't happen but over the next <laughs> couple of days i have plans to watch a classic movie that i've never seen that'll probably horrify you that i've never seen it and cool. a brand new movie in theaters Wow, awesome. Yeah. So next week I will have some more things to talk about. Probably not any games because I'm going to be uh, gone for the weekend again. So there you go. All right. Okay. Well, that's it uh, for what's going on in our entertainment centers. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do that in a bunch of different ways. We're on Twitter. Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard. And the website is at DigiMediaZone. Uh, and you can head on over to the website to find all of that contact information and find all of the show notes for the show where we have links to everything that we talked about. You can also go there to stream the the live show. We're, we're getting back in the habit here of doing this uh, live streamed using Twitch uh, every week. You know, sometimes it's Tuesdays, sometimes it's Wednesdays, but it's still there over at the, the digitalmediazone.com slash live to get straight to it uh, while you're there you can also check out the other podcast well one of the other podcasts that richard does uh, called home on uh, what's going on with home on richard yeah so as i mentioned before the last episode we did was about this do it for me space where people turn to uh, professionals to help them with stuff not like come in and make my home smart but just with specific projects well, in an interesting turn of events, in our next episode, I'm going to be helping a buddy of mine who's buying a new home and wants to plan out what to put in his new home. So I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Cool. Can't wait to listen to that. Uh, so that's lots of ways that you can listen to us. You can also watch us because I'm also trying to do a better job of getting the video that we record while we're live streaming this thing up on YouTube. So you can get a link to that over at the website also. And if you do check it out over on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and ring the bell or whatever it is that the the cool YouTubers are saying nowadays to get notified uh, because the video version is even more fun. So. That is going to do it for episode 594. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.